0: Amen. So Mark 6, about two weeks ago, whenever we opened up again, this was the passage that was on my mind, and particularly verse 31, which says, Because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. And I have pitched that this last couple of weeks, both Sunday mornings and Tuesday nights, just as a a place for us to be in terms of our posture and our, our mindset at this time as a church, that I do believe that's what God is calling us to. I do believe that's an important priority at the minute, to be together, to be in his presence together, and to rest in that presence and the background of the passage was, just, just a re- real quick recap of two weeks ago, the, the background was that John the Baptist had died, he'd been executed, Jesus was grieving, Andrew was grieving, John the, the Apostle was grieving, and they were busy, they didn't have time to eat, and Jesus says, Right, fellas, come on, we need to we need to go and rest. We need to go to a quiet place. I want you to come by yourselves. And a really important thing that, that sort of became a, you know alive to me as I read that a couple of weeks ago was the fact that he says, Come apart by yourselves, not by yourself. Now there are of course times when we come apart by just individual, just us and Jesus, one person, and we j- we just lock ourselves away, and, and we should cultivate a daily practice of just being with Jesus, but on this occasion, he says, come apart by yourselves, in other words, all of you, <laughs> be together in my presence and rest, and I just want to look at the outcome of that this morning, what happened as as a result of them obeying Well, not obeying the command, but more receiving the invitation. And what should we expect to happen as a church if we listen to Jesus' invitation and accept it and prioritize being together in his presence in a place of rest rather than just running ourselves silly trying to get stuff done? It says in verse 32... They went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place, but many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. So just a few outcomes. First outcome from being in that place together alone with Jesus is they saw the heart of Jesus. They didn't decide what they thought the heart of Jesus should be. They didn't come up with ideas. They actually saw the heart of Jesus and the heart of Jesus was compassion. Daniel shared this last week during the the time of worship about God's compassion for people. And we've seen this once before in Mark's gospel. In chapter one, we see Jesus having compassion on a guy who he heals on a leper and and he heals this guy, he has compassion. At that stage in the gospel and in the journey, there's only a few of the disciples that have been called, but this is the first time that the 12 all together have witnessed this heart of compassion. Jesus invites us to be in a place of rest with him. Now, listen to me, church, because... if I I sort of go on about the same thing for three weeks, it's not because I've nothing else to talk about. It's because I really believe God is laying it on. And I believe God's speaking to us and saying that if you obey, if you receive this invitation to rest together in my presence, I will show you my heart. My heart is a heart of compassion. Compassion means to suffer with. And when Jesus sees the crowds... He wants to get alongside them. He wants to get in among them. His compassion causes him to want to be with the people and to suffer with the people. And it says in verse 34 that the reason for his compassion was because they were like sheep without a shepherd. The great Old Testament leaders that came and were forerunners to some extent to Jesus himself, were Moses and David, both of whom were shepherds. And the the biblical picture of a leader from start to finish is a shepherd. Whenever we appointed elders in the church a couple of years ago, we got Eugene Smith to come and spend a day at our house in our front room and just open the Bible and talk to us about eldership and about leadership. And he focused in on the fact that elders in the New Testament are shepherds. And here's some of the things he said. I don't know an awful lot about sheep. I know we have some sheep expertise in the house this morning, so hopefully I'm not saying anything too silly. But here's a couple of things that Eugene said about sheep that I went back and looked at my notes from that morning. He said, sheep can only see about 15 feet in front of them. They have no sense of direction. They are clueless. They have no sense of danger and they will eat anything. You don't bring them to rushing water to drink as they will fall in and drown under the weight of their wet fleece. They have to be brought to still water if they're going to drink. A sheep that has fallen on its back cannot get up on its own. And you have to know what wolves look like because they don't always look like wolves. And sheep have no means of defending themselves at all. I don't know how accurate that all is, but it's probably pretty close to the mark. What do you think, Ethan? Does that sound reasonable? Yeah, um, Jesus had compassion because he saw people as sheep. That is not a derogatory term. But as he looked at people, he saw people who were vulnerable. He saw people who could be preyed on by wolves and other predators. He saw people who did not know where they were going, who were scattered, who, if they had fallen down, were not able to get up unless somebody would help them up. This is the heart of Jesus that I believe we will learn more and more about if we rest in his presence. As he looks at a town, at a community, at a generation of young people, old people, whatever, that's what he sees. He sees people who have been beaten down and cannot get up unless someone will help them to get up. So there's no point in looking at people and saying, why don't you just pick yourself up? They need help to get up. People who cannot defend themselves against exploitation and oppression. People who are vulnerable. Okay? The young generation in this town and every town are vulnerable to those who want to exploit them. Who want to introduce them to drugs and other things. They are vulnerable. They are sheep without a shepherd. So when Jesus uses that term... He means that he wants to get alongside people and lift them up and strengthen them and protect them from things that would prey on them. And I've been thinking a lot this week about a verse in 1 Corinthians 4. Paul says to the Corinthians, you've got 10,000 instructors. You've got 10,000 teachers. You have got 10,000 people who want to draw a crowd and instruct and lecture them. But he says, you don't have many fathers. And what I think the church needs to, to develop a mentality of is a mentality of being a father and a mother, of being a shepherd and of caring for people who are vulnerable. That is the focus that Jesus has. In First Thessalonians 2, Paul again uses the language of being a mother, a nursing mother among the people, caring for them. It's still that shepherding sort of instinct. In Hebrews 5, the writer says to the Hebrews, By now you should be teachers. By now you should be not just listening, but you should be teaching. You should not just be learning, but you should be passing on. There should be a multiplication to the next generation. Mentoring, friendship, drawing alongside people as a shepherd. And I really want to pray into this on Tuesday nights. I want, I want you to think, how can the church affect a generation? Is it by putting on events and inviting people to come? Or is it by building relationships and getting alongside people? The last weekend at, at Forge, we were talking about how people come to faith. And it's actually staggering, the percentages. Whenever Christians were surveyed, I can't remember whether it was Barna or a different research group, but whenever Christians were surveyed about how they came to faith, the number of them of, that came to faith because they attended a church event that they were invited to was less than 1%. And the number that came to faith because of a relationship they had with a Christian who was a friend to them a mentor, a stable person in their lives, someone that just supported them and walked with them. The number of people, over 70% of people who came to faith came to faith through a relationship with an existing Christian. But the church still tends to major on big events and trying to draw a crowd. And I wonder, is there a beautiful simplicity instead of just building relationships and journeying with people over a period of time? because the statistics would suggest there are. So because the disciples accepted the invitation to be by themselves with Jesus, they saw his heart, the heart of compassion, the heart of a shepherd for vulnerable people. Not only did they see his heart, but they also heard his voice in verse 35. They are thinking with their heads, and they say to Jesus, it's a... Remote place, it's late in the day, send the people away, get them to buy their own food. They're thinking just with this. They're looking at the facts and they're saying, Jesus, we can't help these people, send them away to sort themselves out. But then Jesus speaks and he says in verse thirty seven, You did. You give them something to eat. And again, if they had not accepted the invitation to be by themselves in his presence, they would not have heard his voice. Church, we need to do this. We need to do this on Sunday mornings. We need to do this on Tuesday nights and other times where we are together in his presence, listening. Jesus, show us your heart. Jesus speak to us and show us what it is you want us to do. He said to them, you give them something to eat. And they protest and they say it can't be done. It's too expensive. And they they figure it all out. And I love what Jesus does because he listens to them in, in verse 37. They say that would take eight months wages to feed all those people. Are we to go and do that? And Jesus, instead of rebuking them, Instead of getting frustrated with them, he gives them a very small task. He's a brilliant leader. And he says, right, go and see what you've got. He sends them out to do a bit of a stock check. You go and see what the situation's like. It's like the spies being sent out in numbers. Go and check things out and come back to me and tell me what you see. And when they obey that command... And they go and they find out what's there. They come back to Jesus and they say, five loaves, two fish. But they've stopped protesting. They have stopped arguing. They have stopped looking at the impossibility. There's a change taking place in them. They have gone, they've evaluated the situation and they've come back and said, this is what we've got. And then Jesus gives them a second command and they're starting now to move in faith. And he says to them, I want you to get the people to sit down on the green grass That's a reference to Psalm 23 because this is about shepherding. I want you to sit them down on the green grass in groups of hundreds and fifties. That's a reference to Moses because this is about shepherding. And they do it. They are now obeying without protesting. They've moved from telling Jesus it can't be done for all these reasons to listening to Jesus and doing what he is telling them. But the thing that I'm going to keep saying again and again, only for another minute or two, is that they had to first of all receive the invitation to gather by themselves in the presence of Jesus in a place of rest and be with him so they could see his heart, so they could hear his voice, so they could learn to obey and therefore then see the power of Jesus as the crowds are fed. But you don't get there without, first of all, receiving the invitation. Nobody planned to feed the crowd. Nobody sat down and thought, "Hey, this would be a great idea. This would, this would you know, get some promotion for the ministry or whatever. No, it all was overflow. It all overflowed from being with Jesus. It all happened because they chose to accept that invitation. And I think this moment for the church, for this church, for every church, is a moment of opportunity that we will never again probably have in our lifetime to do things differently, to reset, to recalibrate, to listen to Jesus, to decide what are the things that we used to do. We're praying on Tuesday night about what was fruitful and what was unfruitful. What are the things that we used to do that were fruitful but became unfruitful that we need to stop doing we don't need to criticize them and say they were useless and awful but they've had their time and we leave them because we want to focus on something else that will be more fruitful this is an opportunity to do that an opportunity that has been presented to the church to really think about how we do things and to draw into Jesus presence and hear his voice to evaluate to reset to change So Tuesday nights are really important. Really, really, really important. Oh, so important, church. So important. Sunday mornings, so important. It's not just about you and Jesus. Your personal relationship with Jesus is vital and non-negotiable, but you are part of a people. You're part of a community of faith, part of the family of God. And I think if God's family and community are to see these times of overflow where people get blessed and powerful things happen, they must discipline themselves to be together in his presence. Listening, seeing his heart, hearing his voice, getting lined up with what's important to him. Not planning events, but developing a shepherd heart the heart of a mother, the heart of a father, the heart that looks at the vulnerable and wants to help to pick them up and to protect them. And I would invite you, I would I would put out the, the invitation that Jesus gave to them, I, I put out to you. And I honestly think the Spirit is speaking to the church. I really do. And Tuesday night was good. You know? Zoom prayer meetings are a bit routine and you never quite let loose. But Tuesday night, you could just feel the temperature going up a notch or two and a hunger and a crying out in faith. And I invite you, I believe the Spirit invites you and says, listen, church, just come. Don't bust yourself striving and busyness. Just get it in your calendar. Repeat event. Nothing dislodges it. Nothing displaces it. And be in that place of rest with Jesus. And out of that comes the overflow. Overflow. Of ministry and blessing to others. Yeah? Amen. Aaron, come on ahead and lead us, but please.